We have probably after today, depending how far we get, two lessons left on our series on chapter 21 of our Confession of Faith uh, regarding the Sabbath day for the last few weeks. So actually, last lesson we had was four weeks ago because of the different uh, uh, Christmas programs and not, not Sunday school and so on. So four weeks ago, we, we finished looking at um, Sunday as a Christian Sabbath. We saw that that's exactly what the New Testament teaches that uh, from the seventh day um, under the old covenant, in the new covenant, we move to the first day of the week and celebrating the Lord's resurrection. And uh, so that's where we are. And uh, we come back to the confession, paragraph 8 today, that talks about what to do on the Sabbath day. Now, let me start by saying this. You now, we um, people look at this idea of a Sabbath and they... Um, immediately get upset. Seems to be the, the, the most common reaction. Here he goes again, tells me what I can't do and can, can't do and cannot do with my day off and so on. Uh, if that's the first thought that comes to your mind, let's start by repenting um, of selfishness uh, uh, there. Uh, that uh, somehow, somehow any day is ours. Uh, all is the Lord's. And that's how we have to view every single day, including the Sabbath day. Second thing, let's remember that uh, God gave us ten words. He could have said all kinds of things, but he, he listed ten things, the top ten things that uh, um, he wants us to pay attention to, and this is one of them. And we tend to disregard it. For some reason, we look at the first commandment and don't have any other gods before the God of the Bible, and we go, okay, yes, that's important. We see don't, um, don't have any images with... When we think about it, we think it's important. A lot of times we don't even think about that. Uh, the worship of God. The third commandment, sure. Don't take Lord's name in vain. We think that if you're doing use the word God or Jesus, then we're doing that. And then the fourth commandment, we just don't care for it. Seems like that, truly. But we're really big into the next six, right? Uh, we don't want our children to disobey us. We don't want our spouses cheating on us. We don't want, to, we don't want to get killed. We don't want to get lied to. We don't want our stuff stolen. And we're really big on those six that regulate things in the temporal, horizontal, physical world, whereas the first four regulate things for eternity. There's not going to be marriage in eternity. There's not going to be parenting in eternity. There's not going to be possessions in eternity. All those things on the last six are gone. But the first four remain eternity, and we tend to disregard them. And why is that? Why do you think that naturally we tend to disregard the first four and emphasize the last six? Any ideas? There is. We care about we care more about what people think than what God thinks. Maybe that's a component there, but I don't think we even go that far. That that's giving too much credit to us. <laughs> when any other Isaiah. Okay, pride in ourselves. And at the end of the day, we are selfish creatures. It's me, 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 and the last six commandments about me, at least that's how we see them, is you know, forbidding my kids from disobeying me, it's forbidding my wife to cheat on me, it's forbidding my things from being stolen, it's forbidding my life from being taken. And so it's me, me, me. And so, and often we take that approach to the fourth commandment, where we look at it and say, oh, there we go. He's going to take things from me. 
because somehow it's, it's this great burden to have a day in which we reserve specially for the Lord. And yet, John tells us in 1 Corinthians, in first, John tells us in 1 Corinthians, and nobody even better than I, in 1 John, that uh, for those that truly believe in Jesus, the commandments of God are not a burden. So that's really a matter of basic matter of faith in Christ when we talk about the fourth commandment. Any questions on that or thoughts? All right, so yes, Scott. I was just reflecting on um, the significance of the, the Sabbath. In, I mean, it's for, for the one that we dislike the, the most, um, you know, people were put to death for disobeying it. It was part of what led um, to Israelites' captivity. It's pretty significant throughout the Old Testament. And you know, saying it's one of the ones that we want to throw away first. And it, it's not consistent with Scripture. Yeah. Not only in the Old Testament, the New Testament, uh, that's the, uh, Jesus went out of his way to confront people on the Sabbath about the, their notions of the Sabbath, and not to do away with, but to recalibrate how people thought of um, the Sabbath. And to hide behind, oh, I'm a New Testament Christian, this is not for me, is a really lazy unthinking way of deal with the Sabbath, okay? Because it, the Sabbath is all over the New Testament. So if you're a New Testament Christian, great. You want to, if you don't want to throw the Bible, that's your loss. But uh, uh, it's all over the New Testament as well. So let's not uh, hide behind that lazy, unthinking way of dealing with um, the Sabbath. We are, so paragraph 8, is, and if you can't see the letters here, it's page 861 of the hymnal. Paragraph 8 of chapter 21, which talks about the, um, the Sabbath um, commandment. And it says this, The Sabbath is then kept holy unto the Lord, when men, after a due preparing of their hearts and ordering of their common affairs beforehand, do not only observe and holy rest all the day from their own works, words, and thoughts about their worldly employments and recreations, but also are taken up the whole time in the public and private exercises of his worship and the duties of necessity and mercy. So he tells us several things about the Sabbath. The first one is it's an entire day. The very wording of the commandment requires an entire day, where in Exodus 20, God speaking through Moses says, Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. The seventh day is contrasted with the other six days. You see that there in the command? The other six days were whole days. So uh, there is no way that the word day means an hour from 11 to noon. That, 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 that Exegetically, it kind of doesn't work um, that way. So you can see the command itself talks about the whole day. Now, it does not require that the Sabbath start on the evening of the previous day, because the scriptures don't prescribe that. As a matter of fact, the Gospel of John uses the Roman reckoning of time, which is the Julian reckoning of time, which is similar to what we use today. So about 24 hours, the sun being what guides the length of the day there. Um, but the important thing is the whole day. 
It's not the day that we pick either. Now, there's uh, you go to the Gospel Coalition, there's articles about Sabbathing, which that shouldn't be a verb, but I guess it could be a verb. To Sabbath on whenever you want. No. Uh, the scriptures clearly t- tell us this is the first day of the week that is the Sabbath of the Lord, not Tuesday, not Wednesday, you know, not every other Monday, but Sunday, the Lord's day. And the confession tells us that the entire day is to be kept holy. And you know what to be kept holy means, right? To be kept aside, set aside, set apart. To be kept holy is to be separated from the rest, is to be different from the rest. So the command gives us a whole day. Any questions on that? All right. Yes, Darius. Um, what would be the length of a day? The 24 hours. 24 hours is a day. Yeah. So, yeah. And it involves preparation. Uh, the confession says, after due preparing of their hearts and ordering of their common affairs beforehand. So there is involves preparation. Now, with anything else in life, we need to be prepared to keep the Sabbath. We prepare ourselves to go on vacation. We prepare ourselves when we're going to buy a car or buy a house. We prepare ourselves to start our work week. Well, we also need to prepare ourselves for the Lord's day. And preparation or planning ahead is both spiritual, the preparing our hearts, and physical, ordering the, 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 the common affairs beforehand. If, if you say, you know what, I have too many things, there's no time I can do in six days in my life, it means that uh, you're doing more than what the Lord is calling you to do. If you, that, that, that's truly the case. If, if you cannot do what you need to do in the hours that are allotted to you in the six days of the week, means that you're trying to do more than what God calls you to do. Um, and so you need to figure out how to, divert, to divest yourself of some of those things so that uh, you can do what God calls you in those days. Um, R.L. Jabney, it was a Southern Presbyterian minister, and he says this concerning uh, his experience of preparation for the Sabbath. It says, How sacredly was the Sabbath improved? My father went about making the best of the sacred day just as seriously and systematically as any wise businessman planning to put in the best work possible on some favorable day in the middle of harvest. He evidently acted on this clear, rational, and conscientious conviction. I have a great and urgent work to do for my own soul and others. The one day in seven which a kind of heavenly, fa- a kind of heavenly Father has endeavored to secure for me, for this task is none too much if improved the best. So I must make the most of it. So that's the idea to the Dabney's father in preparing the family and, the, and for the... Uh, the day. So there's a spiritual preparation for Sunday, for the Sabbath day, for, for the day of worship. Um, can be done Saturday night, can be done Sunday morning. And it should really begin with uh, thankfulness for the Lord's day. It is a good, a good day, not a burden. So as we prepare for it, we should be, start with thankfulness that a good God gave us this day. And, you know, in preparation for it, we should spend some time in self-examination. Where are we with the Lord? What has the Lord done for us? How can we uh, serve Him? What, what are the blessings that we've experienced? We see that in question 171 of the larger catechism, where it talks about 
how we prepare ourselves for the Lord's Supper, for the sacraments. And we do the Lord's Supper every Sunday. So these things will go into that as well. Meditation, um, relationships, and so on. This, the, God gives us the opportunity to every week do a little bit of self-examination to assess where we are, to remind ourselves who we are in Christ, and so on. And in that spiritual preparation, we should seek to um, stir up our affections so that we can attend church ready to adore and praise God. To, to really think about how good this is and that God in His love gave it to us so that we can come with the right uh, attitude. You know, we enjoy worshiping by enjoying God. If we don't enjoy God, really, if we don't, if we don't think of Him as this good God has given us these things... We might like some of the tunes that we sing and so on. There's some, some emotional enjoyment, but we really don't enjoy worship unless we enjoy God Himself as we do that. And we enjoy God by thinking about Him as He's revealed in the Word. Thinking about God as He's revealed to us in the Word is the main way that we really enjoy Him. So how about on Sunday morning spend some time thinking about God's character, names, works, or Saturday night, or sometime before... No, Early on, do that. Listening to mute, to psalms and hymns, and so on. So there's there's this preparation, this stirring up of affections to come into uh, the Lord's day. Uh, if you played sports uh, in a competitive level, remember that right the, 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 on the game day there's always this you no know, rah 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 to get you ready and excitement so that you can really be at your best for the game. It's kind of like that. Now, not necessarily this artificial rah rah rah, but seeking to stir up your affections in preparation for the Lord's Day. Any questions or comments on that? Also, as we prepare ourselves spiritually, we should seek God in prayer, earnestly, for His aid to us and the congregation in worship. Now, pray the, that God would feed our, your pastor so that they, He in turn can feed you. Pray that uh, the Lord would bless the preaching of His Word. Pray that the Lord would be working in your heart to receive God's Word. Pray for the Sunday school teachers. Pray for the kids as they receive uh, the message. Pray that distractions will be removed from your own mind and from our midst. All these things. But we, uh, I mean we humans, I don't necessarily talking to individual ones of you, but we humans have a tendency to show up at church, plop on the pew, without any preparation, without actually having added a bunch of noise to our lives, and then we expect to have this, you know, whatever supreme concert that you've ever been to, to somehow be brought into the doors of heaven by somebody else's effort, and then we leave upset when that doesn't happen. And we always blame somebody else for that. So we need to prepare ourselves spiritually in order to enjoy the Lord's day and to enjoy the worship of the Lord. And one of those things that we do is to pray for, for each other. Uh, Joseph Piper says this, we ought to be in prayer during the week for the proclamation of the word and the pastor 
and that, that the pastor will preach in the power of the Holy Spirit. In our more immediate preparation for the Lord's Day, we should pray that the Word of God will be preached with great power, that God Himself will speak to us and to each other, to each person in the congregation through the act of preaching. The best way to make the sermon better for you is to pray for those that are going to be teaching Sunday school, morning service, afternoon service. Pray for the Sunday school teachers as they prepare for their lessons. Pray that the Lord would prepare your heart to receive His Word. Pray together as a family before you leave for church, asking God to meet with you and the congregation. It doesn't have to be um, that extensive. In our, in our family, as we're sitting in the garage, in the car, we would say a prayer for the day together as a family. The Lord would sanctify it. So there is time. There is is. is it's possible to do that. If, if we're going through a series and you know what the next passage is, read that passage ahead of time that you might be ready to receive that. So the spiritual preparation is an important thing as we set the Sabbath aside, apart from other days. Any questions or comments on that? All right, so there's spiritual, but there's also physical preparation. Now tie up the loose ends Use Saturday to complete work and domestic responsibilities of the week. When done, don't think about it till Monday. It's a great thing that God gives you permission to set that aside. The creator of the universe said that the universe actually is going to survive without your having to worry about your work for 24 hours. And when you say, no, that's not true, guess what we're making ourselves? We're making ourselves the Lord of the universe, not God. So it's, it's, a matter, it's not a matter of humility, it's not a matter of diligence, it's a matter of pride and idolatry when we do that. Plan time on Saturday to finish chores that cannot be done during the week. Or if you don't have Saturdays off, whatever the other day off you have in the week to do that. Now, as I said earlier, some might complain that there is not enough time, but God gave us six days to do whatever we need to. If we cannot complete our work in six days, we have taken more than God intends for us to take. Sabbath observance is like the tithing. We know we must give one day to the Lord, so we plan to do everything on the other days. As a recognition that every day belongs to the Lord. And as we think about um, physical preparation, we need to learn to plan ahead. For example, simple things. Be sure there's gas in the car to come to church you know, before Sunday. Um, that all groceries are bought that you're not going to need for Sunday and, uh, and so on. Now, this is the clincher here for a lot of you that you know. Okay, so far, you know, I'll put up with the things you're saying, but now, now you're going into... Um, Serious territory, and you can't take that from me. What is it, Alex? Go to bed early. Yes. You can see that has been preached a few times in his life uh, here. Go to bed early on Saturday. Have you noticed that you're more tired on Sunday than the other days of the week? A lot of you. Sometimes we think that Saturday was made to stay out late. It is interesting that we are careful to go to bed on time to go to work or to go to school, but not for the worship of God. 
That's the one thing that we don't, hey, psh, doesn't matter, I can stay up to whatever hours in the morning. Uh, when we don't do that to other things, and remember, it's not what we say that we think is important. Saying that we think the Sabbath is important, and yet treating it as, as less important in other days is actually believing that it's not important. Our, the, how we use our time and our monies, our resources, is really what demonstrates what we truly think is important. Now, plan your Saturday evening so that you can be in bed in order to get the amount of sleep that you require. And that changes from person to person, right? Some of you need 16 hours of sleep. Some of you uh, don't need that as many hours of, of sleep there. And sometimes we're tired on Sunday because we exert ourselves too much on Saturday. Is that, do you understand what I'm saying? We, okay. I never work out, but on Saturday I'm going to run three marathons. Still going to go to bed at 7 in the evening, but I have run three marathons. And then Sunday you just can't function because you're exerting yourself on, on Saturday. Look what the, uh, the 119th answer and question answer of the Logic Catechism says. What are the sins forbidden in the Fourth Commandment? The sins forbidden in the fourth commandment are all omissions of the duties required, are all careless, negligent, and unprofitable performing of them, and being weary of them, all profaning the days of the day by idleness and doing that which is in itself sinful, and by all needless works, words, and thoughts about our worldly employments and recreations. Now, we, we could qualify some of this, but you can see here that there is a great diligence in that day. And the basis of the cessation of work is based on is, is God says himself, himself ceasing from work of creation and redemption. All the work for creation has been done, all the work for redemption has been done, and the Sabbath day represents that. Any questions before we continue? Jerry. Yes, though I, I want you to start challenging the notion that there's a lot of them. Okay. By the way, state of Washington is a law that uh, um, people don't know either by not looking for it or just by say hidden cannot require you to work on Sunday if you're a religious opposition to that. Okay. So, no, not yet. But I'm just saying that. Uh, uh, the, the, uh, no, that doesn't apply to military, to uh, first responders, but that's a very small minority of the population. Um, so I'm going to keep on talking so we don't get to that answer, Jerry. Uh, to, no. <laughs> no, it's towards the end of the lesson, okay? All right. It, but as we think of a day of rest, I, I don't think we can think of it as a day of inactivity. The Lord's Day is, not, is a cessation of daily work, but it's not uh, um, inactivity. Okay, I already saw that. It's not inactivity. We're doing all these things, public worship, private worship, rest, entertainment, ministry. All these things are involved on the Lord's Day. The Confession says that the Sabbath is, uh, is to also be taken up the whole the time in public and private exercise of His worship in the duties of necessity and mercy. 
So we're called to worship the Lord on the Lord's Day. We can see that in Psalm 92. Psalm 92 looks at corporate worship and its relationship to the Sabbath. We see that. And we, Psalm 92 talks about several public meetings in a day in worshiping the Lord. Talk about morning and evening there. Uh, so it teaches that God appointed the Sabbath day as day of corporate work, you know, celebration, anticipation, and recreation. And uh, so that's why we gather to worship the Lord on the first day of the week, on the Sabbath day, but it also was the um, practice of the apostolic church, as we've seen that as well. It's a day of private worship as well, not just here, but at home as well. If you stay in church here for all the services on Sunday, you have stayed here for about five to six hours. That's that. Um, that's the Sunday school, morning service, lunch, and then the afternoon service. It's five to six hours, and that's it. What, what about the rest of the day? Well, some time of it should be dedicated to your private worship. Families, individuals worshiping the Lord there. <laughs> Now, what are things that we can do to worship God privately? Now, these are suggestions. Okay? You, can be, you can use your imagination, but these are suggestions that uh, I've seen practiced, my family practiced, some of them through the years, and so on. But the first thing is use the time meaningfully. Do things that are truly beneficial and worshipful. For example, take time to review the sermon. The sermon can be a time... Uh, release capsule, where you keep on benefit from it as you review it. Um, most of, pretty much, all our Sunday lessons are posted by you know, 2.15, depending on how late the afternoon service goes, by 2.15 through 30, all three lessons, adult, the adult Sunday school class, the morning lesson, the morning sermon, the afternoon sermon are posted most Sundays, so we have time to review the sermons. Um, you can do that by taking notes during the sermon or, or whatever, so you can check it out. Take time to sing and pray as a family. That's something you can do uh, as well. Um, maybe at night, before you put the kids to bed, if those of you have young children, uh, pray and sing with them. Uh, usually we don't have time to do that during the week because you're so busy. Here we have a day given that we can actually breathe and do those things there. Now, this is going to be the where all the amens will come. A holy activity for the Lord's Day is taking a nap. Rest. Take a nap. Right? Amen, Kathy? Sabbath rest. Sabbath rest. There we go. After church. After church. <laughs> but some of you are so efficient that you take care of it at church so you get free to do more worship afterwards, right? So time to double up uh, there as well. Um, the confession actually does not list resting as a Sabbath activity, which seems to be contradictory to the actual notion of Sabbath, that there is a notion of rest as well. So resting is part of what you should do on uh, the Lord's Day. The Bible doesn't forbid nap. As a matter of fact, the Bible encourages rest. It does forbid laziness. So, oh, I'm going to go home and sleep for six hours on the Sabbath day. Maybe that's not in the spirit of the Sabbath there, but rest is good. Um, catch up another thing you can do is catch up on spiritual things you didn't have time to do during the week um, Sunday is a God is, is a gift from God to us for us to do those things that we didn't have chance to do during the week read a good Christian book 
Catch up on Bible reading. Take time to pray. Read a good Christian magazine. Watch a uh, RC Sproul or whatever videos that uh, you like to watch. Memorize the scriptures. Uh, study the catechisms. Those are all things that can be done on, on the Lord's Day. And besides private worship involving just your family, you can use Sunday for hospitality. It doesn't have to be fancy. Right? It can be rice and beans. Or any other ethnic food you want to serve that is part of your ethnic tradition. But it doesn't have to be complicated. Just invite people over, whatever you have, serve, and you guys can spend time together as well. Talk up, and when you have them over, talk about the, the, the Sunday, the sermon, talk about the lessons. Uh, sing together, pray for each other, figure out what's going on in each other's life, to hang out, get to know each other. This is all part of uh, spiritual Sabbath observance. Another thing you can do is actually use the Sunday for ministry. Visit somebody, visit the elderly, visit the, the, the sick, witness in public place, pass out tracts, visit people that are lonely, do door-to-door evangelism, do counseling. Uh, just use imagination. Ministry can be done on, on Sabbath, the Lord's Day as well. And why am I listening to all these things? Is that when you focus on what we should do or could do on the Lord's Day, there isn't so much time to focus on what we shouldn't do. Instead of thinking, oh, these are all the things I can't do today. Wow, look, and God, God in His goodness gave me a day where I can put everything else aside and focus on all these other things that I don't have time, opportunity to focus on the other days of the week. In my mind, a lot of the opposition to this doctrine of the Sabbath comes from unwillingness, recognize or not, to give up the day. Yet God promised that this day would be a delight for us. In Isaiah 58, he says, If you turn away your foot from the Sabbath, from doing your pleasure on my holy day, and call the Sabbath a delight, the holy day of the Lord, honorable, and shall, not, and shall honor him, not doing your own ways, nor fighting your own treasure or pleasures, nor speaking your own words, then you shall delight yourself in the Lord, and I will cause you to ride on the high hills of the earth and feed you with the heritage of Jacob, your father, and then says, the mouth of the Lord has spoken. If you call the Sabbath a delight, it will be a delight to you. And you might say, oh, but that's talking about Israel. Well, if that's the case, then... If talking about just Old Testament, if you're going to use that argument for this passage in 58, then you have to discard Jesus being your Messiah. You know why? Because this is just a continuation of Isaiah 53, where it talks about the ministry of Jesus as the substitute for your sins. So if you like Isaiah 53 and it's for you, then Isaiah 58 has to be for you as well, because it's the same context, the same narrative, the same... Um, lesson that God is teaching through the prophet um, there. Any questions or comments before we continue? All right, so a word for families to families with little children. It's way easier to keep the Sabbath in this way when you don't have little children. Right? So send all your children to hang out with Heather on Sundays. No, that's not how you do it. That's not how you do it. What I want to say is this, that we have to be careful, and that was a struggle for us, for Emily and I, raising our own kids. We have to be careful that we don't alienate our children in observing the Sabbath. 
to ma making it like the worst day of the week for them, the most boring day, and at times to being inconsistent as well. Those two things can alienate our, uh, our children on the Sabbath. If you do what we are not, uh, if we do that, if we're alienating our children by the way that we're keeping the Sabbath, we are not keeping the Sabbath. We're doing something else. Does that make sense to you? If we end up alienating our children by what we're doing on the Lord's Day, then it, what we're doing is not keeping the Sabbath. It's, it's some other activity. And, you know, the thing is, we need to teach them regularly about the Sabbath. The same way that we need to be prepared as adults, they need to be prepared as children as well. And if we have a poor attitude about Sunday, guess who's going to have a poor attitude about it as well. If they can't understand the blessing that the Sabbath is, they will have no trouble keeping it, generally speaking. So, as you, as you, as you come to the public worship with your children, and we're going to sp spend some more time in a future lesson on that, have you ever take, taken the time to explain to your children how to worship? Like, take a bullet, have you taken a bullet in home and saying, this is why we're doing this, this is how we're doing this, and so on, to your children? As, you know, doesn't, they don't have to be teenagers for you to do that. We need to, we need to teach them about public worship. It is very important that the children participate in the public worship. And to do that, you need to prepare them ahead of time. This is why we don't have junior church. You know, for the 11 o'clock service, we have junior church because we want our children to be part of our uh, service. Uh, again, Joey Piper says, if we believe that in corporate worship we come into God's presence in a unique way and that preaching is the primary means of grace because in it we hear the living voice of hmm, charts. Uh, let's put God in there. The living voice of God. <coughs> we will resist depriving our children of this privilege. Oh, Christ, living, that's Christ, that's a good word. Um, if Christ were in the earth, and you had a voice, a choice of letting your children hear him teach or go off to children's church, what would you choose? And that's when we hear the voice of Christ, is when the gospel, the word of God is being proclaimed. So that's one of the reasons that we, we really encourage families to worship together on the Lord's Day. I think it's generally a good thing for families to sit together during the worship service to uh, worship the Lord. And, and that's why we have an age limit of three in our nursery. Um, you know, we don't want the kids to stay there for too long. Any questions on this? As we're talking about you know, little kids in the family and the Sabbath day. Another thing is teach your children to behave in church. Now, a lot of people in, in the middle school and teenage year, in, in high school years, they say, man, your kids sit up front and, uh, and so on. And so, well, it uh, took a lot of work. Took, uh, and, you know, and they, they were regenerated early by the Lord, and the Spirit was in them, and that w was working in them, and that's right to worship the Lord. Great credit goes to them that way. But also to take took a lot of spanking, a lot of explaining. I only had to come down from the pulpit once uh, in, in, their, in their lives. 
um, you know, to, you know, connect with them. <laughs> but Emily worked with them all the time, and it was a little difficult because I'll be up here, they'll be down there. Um, and the same, you know, Darren and Carol were great examples to us as their kids were a little older than we were. But there was a great amount of work. And you see, you can see fruit of that. I mean, uh, a little girl that must remain nameless since we are uh, recording, it was like, man, I have to maybe rethink my, you know, my theology of demon possession here, but uh, uh, <laughs> she would have a hard time. It would be screaming, yelling, and felt like there would be no hope. Now she's a super sweet little girl that loves worshiping uh, the Lord. So it's, it's hard. It takes energy. It feels like sometimes feel like you're not moving anywhere. It feels like you're doing the same things over and over and over and over and over and over again. Yet that incremental growth is there. And when you look it over the years, you see the benefit of... Um, and there's a blessing to you. Even What was the sermon today? I have no idea because I was so busy trying to get my kid to pay attention or to stop talking or whatever. I haven't listened to a sermon in three years. Oh, we have been not in church? No, every Sunday I'm there. I just uh, don't have no idea what's going on. That in itself is an act of worship. And there's a mystical, uh, gracious presence of the Spirit as you do that. Because remember, as a believer... You're training your children for heaven. It doesn't matter if they can't throw a ball. It doesn't matter if their manners are not great at the table. It doesn't matter if they don't get into college. Because your main goal is to train them for heaven. And the closest we can get for heaven is the public worship. In this earth is the public worship of the Lord with the saints on, on the Lord's day. So teach your children to behave in church. One specific way to help children is to get them settled down before the service begins. You know, yanking them by the ankles at 11 o'clock, trying to get them to sit down may not be the best way to prepare them uh, uh, for worship. So get them settled before, before the service. Also, those that don't have children or have older children should be patient with those training their children and rejoice that the Lord has given so many children to our church. I was, listening, I was reading something this week that said that the sign of a, uh, of a, the, the sound, the, the, the signs of a church in which the spirit is working are, is the sound of small children in the service and the voice of man singing. Those are two imperatives in a church that's vibrant to the Lord. Teach them to use the restroom before service, not during. Though in our church, adults seem to have a hard... I don't get it. <laughs> and even going to get behind the pulpit for the... No. <laughs> Some of you sit through Avatar without getting up to go potty. But the one hour... And we are really good at keeping it one hour, an hour, ten max. Somehow your, your bladder goes... <laughs> And you can't last for that time. Now, I don't want anybody, I don't want anybody peeing their pants this morning because I said that. But just think about it, right? If you plan ahead for the children, for the adults, and so on. Especially in our, in our context. We have a tiny building. Everything is noticeable. Everything is a distraction. Everything is loud. 
just think of a way to love others um, by, P, by your schedule. <laughs> P. Still talking about you know, helping children in public worship. If your child insists on misbehaving, and what is misbehave? What is misbehavior biblically? What's misbehavior biblically? Not an not not example of an action, but in principle. You tell them to do something they don't do. You tell them not to do something they do. That's disobedient. It doesn't matter what that is, what the actual action is, right? You tell them to be quiet. They're not quiet. What are they doing? Disobeying, right? And so on. So if, you see, if your child insists on misbehaving, take him out, spank him, and bring him back. And I'm just using the general he, him. It can be a she as well here. Uh, you know, as I've said in the, in, the past, in the past, there's a mystical union between the bottom of the heart that uh, seems to work a great thing there. Don't keep him out of the service. Spank him and bring him back. Now, logistically, there was, used to be a family who would follow that very, very faithfully, but they would spank the kids in the pew right here. In the... Not the best way to do it. Take them out. Take care of it. Then when you've, you know, they've settled down and you can bring uh, them back uh, there as well. So just little you know, tips there. But the worship battle is one worth picking with your kids. Because it's an eternal battle that you're picking with them. Any questions on that or comments? All right, about the rest of the Sabbath at home. We're still talking about two families with uh, uh, younger kids. As, as parents, we need to help our children in making their Sabbath a delight in the Lord. There's a few things that we can do to make their Sabbath a delight, and as they grow in this culture of making the Sabbath a delight, they will in turn be able to delight on their own without necessarily having your direct help uh, with them. Talk about the sermon with them. It is amazing how, as the, uh, how much they listen. I know <laughs> we would get in the car heading home and we ask, what did you learn in Sunday school? What would be the answer? You want to guess? I don't know. <laughs> but as, and as you went back and, and you start kind of listening to them, they actually learned a lot uh, during... Uh, Sunday school as well. Um, so discuss the things that were done and said in church today. Read the Bible to them and let them read to you. Sunday gives you a good opportunity to teach them how to pray. Let them pray with you. Again, these are suggestions. You know, throwing a bunch of out there for you. Sing um, their favorite Bible songs and hymns. Help them learn the catechism. Start with their children and move on. Take them for a walk and talk about God's creation. Uh, play games that would profit, uh, be profitable for them. Show them a video that uh, would be good for them. Now, not as a babysitter. Uh, okay, kids, go watch a video. <laughs> Though there's some time for that as well. <laughs> uh, but it's something that uh, could be constructive. It could even be a Sunday tradition there. Read a good book to them and with them. Discuss with them what God is doing in your own life. 
Let them learn from your experiences. The whole book of, of Ecclesiastes and Proverbs is exactly that. is a father and a preacher talking to the congregation. Say, hey, these are the mistakes I did. Don't commit them. These are the good things I did. Learn from them. So share your own experiences with them. Let them know how God saved you. Have you ever shared the work of how Christ worked in your life with your children? Um, involve them in Christian ministry. You know, people talk about family time, right? Oh, this is going to get in my way of, my, of family time. And usually, when people say family time, they talk about watching a movie together, and that, that's it. It seems that would be the family time. But family time can be doing anything together as a family. Ministry together can be family time as well. There are so many things we can do with our children to help them grow and up and loving the Sabbath. So there's really no valid reason why they should grow up presenting uh, the Sabbath day. Any, any, any suggestions, any, any practices that you guys have on the Lord's Day with young children uh, that either you've done with your, when your children are younger or you're doing with your children right now? Anyone? Anyone? Katie? I'll, open, I'll, I'll say this: make dad have dad be more involved on the, on Sunday. Sounds great. Yeah, that, that, no, but I'm I'm serious, uh, and I, I'm not saying anything about Grant because I don't know how much Grant's involved in the homeschooling. But in that, just using that scenario in general, dad needs to take the lead on the Sabbath day. He's the one planning these things. He's the one talking to kids. He's the one leading the family. Because remember, the Sabbath day is just a representation of every other day. So that ha- that's one way to do that. All right, we, are, we succumb once again to the tyranny of the clock, Jerry. I'm sorry, I'm not going to be able to answer your question today. Next week-ish, Next week-ish uh, we might get uh, uh, to it. But again, brothers and sisters, let's look at this as a blessing from the Lord, as good thing, a good thing, an opportunity to do all kinds of things that we may not have the opportunity to do other days of the week for the glory of God and our own good, our own blessing. Let us pray together. Father in heaven, thank you for being good to us. We thank you that you've given us this day. As we move now from Sunday school to the worship service, we pray that uh, you'd help us to look to you and to Christ as we come before you for asking his name. Amen.